Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Okay, we're here. I'll show you. Dude, this is a national ballpark museum. They've got displays about all the great old ballparks, not old ball players. And I do mean old. Hey, that's not what I heard. I heard they got a display that features the first homegrown color Rocky. That would be me. Okay, look, there's Bruce Hellerstein over there. He owns the place. Let's go ask him. Hey, that's fine with me. Hi, Bruce. How's it going? Manny, Mark, good to see you guys. Come on in. Hey, Bruce, Manny here doesn't believe me. He doesn't believe you've got a Mark Knudsen display here at your museum. Well, he's sort of right. Right over here, we've got a display all about the Denver Zephyrs. I'm pretty sure Mark's Zephyrs baseball card is in there somewhere. Oh, his minor league card. I got you. Hey, it's something, right? If you say so. So, you two just come down here to see the displays? Actually, we're getting ready to do our podcast. Oh, wow. That's great. I had no idea they let you back on the air, Mark. What's your show called? It's the Park Adjusted Rockies Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Mark Knudsen and Manny Randawa. Give me a Knudsen. Knudsen! Thank you. Our first show of the year. Record this. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm in the school of, and you might be right, it might be worse than, I, than we thought, but I'm in the school of the old Dennis Green, the football coach. So we are who we thought they were. These Rockies are who we thought they were, I think. You're of the opinion maybe they might be a little bit worse. Yeah. Um, happy new season at Coors Field <laughs> as we record this, uh, our first recording at Coors Field. But I think... Um, at least from my perspective, uh, you know, I, I, I had them, I think we both had them around 72. 71, 72 yeah. wins. This is worse than that. Uh, uh, the way they're playing, again, look, first of all, let's put the caveat, uh, let's get the caveat out of the way. Way too early. It's way too early. Way too early. Baseball That's is fair. not football, it's right. not basketball, it's, you know, it's, it's, right. these are, especially football, I mean, we're in a football town, they always, you know, you know, one bad week of baseball right. to them, is, to, to a football fan, is like, oh, it's all over, everything's right. right. But, but we, have, but you have to look at the trends, and you have to look at the roster, and you have to look at yes. the injury situation. You have when you when you put that all the pieces together, it doesn't look good. Um, no, you got one, you got two reliable starting pitchers. One of them who's hurt. One of them who just got rocked in Kyle Freeland the other day by, by the Pirates. And then after that, it's like. I mean, you, who's who knows? I wrote this you know? week for Mile High Sports um, about the old 1948 Boston Braves, um, Warren Spawn and Johnny Sane. Spawn and Sane and pray for rain. <laughs> and I came it. up with a new one. Yeah. I said, Freeland and Marcus, and somebody help us. Um, <laughs> that's not bad. Well, because... Yeah, it's, it's, we, but that's but what we, it is. Again, we knew that going in, though. We knew that... We, are these yeah, we guys? did know that going in. What we did not know was how bad they were going to be defensively. I mean, it's... It, it, some Which of is the, a really scary thing. That's the lost, worst of all. They've lost two games simply because of defensive And that's hard, to, that's hard to stomach. And so... And, and it's early, but at the same time... Um, but Black is harped on this. Like, we need to play better defense. And yes, if you're the Colorado Rockies, they've been traditionally a... A uh, uh, defense, solid yep. defensive yep. team, especially Absolutely. on the infield. Yep. Because that's been their MO. Keep the ball on the ground, suck it up like a vacuum wherever it is on the infield. Yep. If that's not happening, that's kind of a barometer for where your season's going no, for I the agree. Rockies. And look, at the plate, Chris Bryant can hit 300, he can hit 24 homers. It's not going to make a difference. Um, you need more than that. And, you know, you brought in some guys who. You know, some veterans who had had success in the past. Brofar had a good season last year. Yep. Mustaka seems to have having a sort of a, a, a kind of a resurgence, at least uh, in spring training. And so it's possible that they might produce something for you. But here's the thing. How long before you start letting all the children play? Because yep. this is going south fast. And faster than we thought. Faster than we thought. And by, the, by I, I would think by June, they're going to be so far out that they've got to start thinking about just – you know, yeah, letting see, letting everyone that, get the key point time, you yeah. made there is about the roster because um, if you, Tampa Bay won what thirteen in a row to start the season. Uh, I was on the '87 Brewers did the same thing started, and but we ended up going a few months later, a month or so later, winning four, losing we lost one thirteen, lost fourteen, one and they nicknamed us Team Streak. Yeah, I don't see this roster producing a winning streak. That's that's a good point. I think that's this, the key this, point. We got this long, long losing streak going on, but you say, "Oh, well, we'll get hot and win eight, nine in a row." This team, I don't think, can do that. We're we're recording this prior to the series finale against the Pirates. They lose this game. They're five and fourteen. They're playing about two sixty yep. baseball right now, um, and it only gets harder from here. Um, you've got uh, coming up and coming up soon. You've got 
the uh, you got Cleveland, you've got well first they're going to Philadelphia. They got to play the Phillies. Then they're going to the, defending, the, the defending, defending champs, champs. Uh, who haven't started the season well, but they're still the defending champs and they yep. still have pretty much the same roster back. And then <clears throat> well added to that with Trey yep. Turner for example. And then you've got to go to Cleveland and play the Guardians and then playoff team. Yeah, you, so you got two playoff teams. You got to go and play on the road. Uh, and that's scary enough, uh, yep. going on the road, uh, and then add the caliber of teams they're playing. And then when they come back, they got to play the D-backs, and just, that's a team that's on the rise, on and that's rise. a team that's no actually question. pretty exciting. No question. And then you got to go and eventually play the Mets in New York for four games. So by literally by the middle of or the first week of May, this team could be you know 15 games under 500 and going nowhere fast. So it's it's this is going to be a real test of how much are you going to let these young guys play and it, we might well, see sooner than later whether you really have something in the this, fear in this I think going into the year was if we start the year with too many young guys we're going to spiral we're going to go down well, the rest but it's happening with the veterans yep. I mean, we, you and I talked about this too earlier Mike Moustakas to me and yes he had a great spring and deserved to make the team and all that but he and CJ Cronin are basically the same guy yep. right and so that's now that now Tolia who's Having a so-so start, and he's not hitting for a high average, but he's got some home runs. Um, you're retarding his progress a little bit. Right. Brenton Doyle, you're retarding his progress by bringing Profar in. I mean, there's all these guys that they could. There, and, and the fear that oh, if we, we played all the young guys at once, we'd just lose a bunch of games. You're going to lose a bunch of games. Coming to fruition anyway. Exactly. And so at this point, you have to reevaluate. Yeah. Well, if not at this point, at least within the next month, you're going to be you're going to you're going to be forced to. Um, this is going to be it's going to be tough uh, for Buddy Black because he is going to be presiding over a uh, look. They don't say the quiet part out loud, but this is a rebuild, and, yep. and what's going to end up happening is Buddy is going to and he's good for this. I mean, he's a good manager, yep. and he's good for this type of sort of thing, no communicating with players, Great. especially younger guys, and and helping them grow. Mm-hmm. And so he could be very good in that sense. The question is. How quickly will they accelerate their development at the big league level? Once they're here, <clears throat> how quickly, how much opportunity are they going to give them? That's the real question now, right? How long are you going to run Crone out there? How long are you going to run Mustakas out and, there? And how it, long are you going to run Crone? And you uh, keep them on this roster right now, hopeful that they're, they're trade ships. Exactly. But if they're struggling, their trade value is not much. Yeah. So that's, and that's, you're even in, in a worse position. So, so it's, it's, it's kind of like we were talking earlier, it's kind of like a, the island misfit toys in terms of a roster, right? The well, that's roster true. pieces just that's don't fit. Absolutely what and, it is. And on, on top of that off with I like Tobar, who he really counted on to, to become one of those up. He's struggling. He's even struggling a little bit in the field, which you wouldn't really think. Yeah, and again it's early and he's a young player and he's getting his first full time major league playing time. So I can I understand that. But the problem is is that in the past they've put so much so much of an expectation on young players that's not fair. Yeah. Um, and now it should be the time of, yeah, come on up and play, but just play. Yeah. Learn the game. Learn the learn learn how to be a big leaguer. Play the game, and in time, you know the cream will, will rise, and you'll be and, and the better players will be will still be with us and be the core around which we build. But if you're going to be like you said, if you're going to lose this much, might as well at this point just start playing them out, playing them out. Let them go out there. Bring totally up. You know, bring bring Doyle, Doyle up. Let them play. You know, and so the problem is is that, well, we're going to see. I mean, within the next month to six weeks, we're going to see if that's what the Rockies' direction is. If they're going to do that, or if they're going to just keep doing more of the same, which is pretty maddening, I think, if you're a Rockies fan, because, you know, I think you, I think the average Rockies fan would be happy to have all the kids play, and just yes. say, well, at least that's a we're moving. Point. That's a great point. Rather yeah. than just kind of staying because stagnant. Right, yes, because then the fans, you could tell the fans, and I know this is this runs contrary to what's happened to them in, with the Gen R in back in 2000, when they had Gen R and they were openly embracing the rebuild. Attendance went down tubes because they all these young guys. If you, I think now, if the fans knew had a direction and they said we're going to, we're playing these young guys, watch them bless them. That's I what I. That's what I thought. And I, and I think that the, I think, I think that that's. That would be the dynamic. I think they would. Be, it would be. They've been so kind of um, kind of beaten down by being a team that's under five, a losing team for four years, that they would be happy to come out and support the future. Yes. Right. Because now you're looking. Crone's not the future. Mustak's not the future. Profar's not the future. Um, the future is in the guys behind them. And at some point, you know, you'll have. They'll have no choice but to play them. Question is, will they wait too long? And in the past, they waited too long to make these types of, of changes. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. It, it, it's frustrating as a as a casual fan 
to not know what but the casual and the casual fans are the ones that you're looking at with attendance yes and if exactly. and if and if that's and if they're if they get excited if they can buy some tovar jerseys and if they can buy right. some some tolia jerseys yep. and things like that like you know what you can you can dream on the guys doesn't mean they're going to pan out but you can dream on them and that's that's where the rockies are dream on right the team across the way here on the other side it's the pirates they have some excite they're they're they've been in a place in a place where the rockies have been in recent years but they're they know they're moving in a specific direction and they have an identity and they're moving in that direction the rockies are identity they're, they're they don't have an identity they're just kind of floating they don't and and, and when they don't have an identity the fans don't hear about an identity the yep. fans don't know who this who's who and who should be here who shouldn't be here and it's frustrating let's talk about the pitching for a few minutes because you mentioned Freeland and Freeland had his bad outing the other night listen I think Kyle Freeland's going to be just fine he's had one spectacular start one good start and one awful start he's won between he and Marcus they have four of the team's five wins so the two two, two guys right. that's what we expect but three, four, and five is a problem yeah. and, it's, and it was a problem going in it's a problem now how long until we see a young pitcher like a Kaufman? Or yeah. we saw Noah Davis had a good, good start. It's just his first outing, but it's a good first outing. When Marcus comes back, does Davis stay? Do the, I mean, is it is it time to say goodbye to Urania or Feltner or Gomber? Any of those three yeah, guys who are I, just I, really, really stuck. Gomber, yeah, we'll see what Gomber has today. But I think Urania is on a short. Uh, I, I don't think has to be. I don't think you can go. You can run him back out there every time because. You know, another couple of starts like this, and there's no he's going to get DFA. There's no way that, that you can, you know, yeah. uh, it's just what are you going to do? And so I think Kaufman is not far away. I think Kaufman might be somebody we see pretty relatively soon. I think so too. And, I think, and Davis is already up here. Um, you know, so I, that's another thing. Freeland's going to be all right. What, yeah. The thing about Freeland is, is that in his sophomore or his third year, when he went from fourth in Cy Young to demoted to the minors, yeah. We didn't know how he would bounce back. We didn't know what kind of guy, what kind of pitcher he truly was. He wasn't the Cy, fourth and Cy Young guy, but he also wasn't as bad as what it, what he showed in uh, early in 2019. Now we know what he is. He's somewhere in between, but we know what he is. He's not. He's not nine. Give up nine runs and three innings to the Pirates guy. He, we know what he is, and he will be. You can. They'll be able to count on him to go out there fifth day and give them a chance to win. Keep this in mind as a starting pitcher, though, and it has not held true the three, four, five. Most starting pitches, you take a 10-start block. And two times, you're going to have a night like he had yeah. the other night. Two times, you're going to have one of those games that he had on opening day. It was spectacular. The middle six. What do you do with those? What do you do with those middle six? Yeah. I think with Freeman and Marcus, we know those middle six more They'll often than right. not will be all right. Yeah. These other guys. Two, 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 two starters are just not, you know, even if they're spectacular, it's two starters aren't enough. enough. And, and so, again, it's the same thing. It's kind of the same with the position players. Like, this is 2023 is a season to see what you have yep. and unless you actually play those guys enough to see what you have you're just going to be in the same spot at 24 going into 24 you're going to be like well we kind of know what we've got we kind of don't we're we're still hoping for these guys be kind of like, like ryan mcmahon it's been how many years has it been three four five yeah and that that they've been waiting on that bat to finally have a breakout and mm-hmm. if it doesn't you know each year the show me your firm and each year the passes and then it doesn't happen you're one year closer to cutting him loose and yeah they extended him and everything else but um you know you can only go with guys so long but in order to speed up the timeline move it up ahead let them play and so you can take at least them see it yep. see it some see guys will got. respond well to that circumstance yep. some guys will step up yep. i mean imagine if you're bringing up a troy tulowitzki in this circumstance yeah you know what you're going to get because the intensity the drive everything was there to right. succeed even when everything else around you is going bad you can right. still there's enough individuality in this sport to, to see guys step through a bad circumstance and, and excel in bad yep. seasons andre dawson won an mvp for a last place team with the yep. Cubs. So the, the cream rises to the top, as they say. The Rockies have to find the cream. The question is, yeah, go get it. I mean, the only way to, it's going to rise is if you let it start playing, let them start playing. Then the, then the cream will rise. If you don't, then. so the question is, in the next maybe six weeks or so, are we going to start seeing these guys come up and play more? And if so, great. That's good for the Rockies because they can finally gauge what they have before going into off seasons in the future, where they make decisions about what to add. You got to figure out who you are. That's the bottom line. And if you don't have an identity. Yep. You're never going anywhere. That's and, the bottom. And, and, and we've talked about this before. Identity is what's been lacking around here for quite some time. We just have to hope that at some point, um, management decides that 
this is this is how you got to do it, right? This is how you got to do you gotta, it. You, you got you got you got to acknowledge it, publicly. face it up, face up to it, and just you know uh, face the music and 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 move in a direction that and like we said, I think Rockies fans would appreciate that that you're moving in a dire- at least moving in mm-hmm. a direction of the future and say we don't know what all, all which all of these guys are going to be part of our next window of contention, but we're determined to find out. Bud was talking before before game today about um, Randall Gritchick played what seven innings last night yeah. and five at bats. It's this is he's essentially in his spring training right now, but that's a veteran that could come back and, and perhaps help with what's going on here. Um, there's some other guys like I said, Chris Bryant sitting over 300, has the, hit his first Coors Field home run last night. Um, so there's some signs there. On the flip side, Charlie Blackman's scuffling right now. You don't know what's left in that tank. Mustakas isn't getting to play regularly, so you don't know what's there. Crone's been a disappointment, especially defensively. Montero's been awful defensively. Um, time to start moving some pieces around, maybe. Like they did yesterday when they put Trey yeah. the second movement man back to third. Yeah, and, and I think, again, look, within that four- to six-week period, I think we're going to start to – I think it's going to really – I think the pressure is going to start to build to start thinking about those things, yeah. including so we're bringing guys up, we're letting them play. What about these older guys then? What what's going to happen with them? Time to start moving. What's the earliest that any major league teams have made a trade? But not in spring training, but early. Generally season. speaking, is June is the time. Mm-hmm. So I think, and and I'm thinking, you know, six weeks from now is June. So yeah. I'm thinking that by then the Rockies are going to be. So far out of it that they absolutely have no choice but to play the youngsters well, and to do and to think about moving guys. On the flip side, though, what teams are going to be looking to acquire yeah. in June? Anybody? Yeah. And somebody loses a key player uh, injury. Perhaps. Yeah, usually that's injury related. Um, with the third wild card now in play, usually teams know kind of have a good idea whether they're going to be in contention in August and September even earlier than yeah. before. So it kind of cuts both ways. I don't think there's much debate around here, at least the people we've talked to on and off the record, about what this organization needs to do. All right, we're back right after this. Park Adjusted, Rockies Podcast. The place to catch all the big game action is at Stoney's Bar and Grill, now with four great locations, including Winter Park and the original at 11th and Lincoln. Great food, great service, and unrivaled game day atmosphere. There's no better place to watch your favorite teams in action. To find out more, check out stoneysbarandgrill.com. We're back with uh, Patrick Saunders of the Denver Post. And, and before we get going, Patrick, um, I want to clarify something, because I know you, you, you tussle this too. You're not a homer, and you're not an overly harsh critic. If you're doing your job right, you're, you're, pe- people on both sides think you're the other. I want to take a moment to, to salute the job you do, because it's not easy covering a team that's losing a lot of baseball games. Here, here. Um, people tend to blame the messenger. And obviously, that's not a fair assessment of how you do your job. You do a great job covering the Rockies. And I don't think there's anybody better to be honest and critique of the way this team is uh, not just playing, but built and, and everything else that goes around it. Do you agree? That's right. I, I, I appreciate that. And you're right. And you guys get this too. It, it's funny how, I guess it's a good thing that people who read us think that somehow we uh, have not control, but certainly input or yeah. direction of the team. Well, we don't, that, <laughs> uh, but they, they think by venting through me or you guys, somehow that is going to change the course of things Um, but hey that's that's fine I mean it's sports you know it's not life and death uh, but it does get annoying sometimes I gotta admit I I understand how you feel people want to I'll propose somebody making a trade to say the Rockies don't make trades like that's my fault you know obviously um, that is an issue you're also responsible for the lineup by the way yes oh for sure (laughs) that's right for sure what are they doing playing that guy yeah okay um, Patrick Man- Manning, I spent the first half of the podcast kind of lamenting the state of the, the roster, the way the roster is put together. I, I call it the Island Misfit Toys. It's it's just the pieces don't fit right. Is that a fair assessment? It is. And I think, and I believe the last time I was on with you guys, or at least one of the times I've been on with you, one of my critiques of this team is that it has no identity. Yeah. Right. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't feel like it knows what it wants to be. Right. You look around the league. And there are certain teams without without a ton of talent. Yep. You know they don't have Mets talent or Dodgers talent. Tampa. Or, Tampa. Exactly. Or the Guardians. Yes. But they have an identity. Be it yep. a great defensive, fast team. They mm-hmm. excel at a couple of things and go all in on it. Well, the Rockies, they don't have that. They they're not they're not sluggers. They certainly aren't speedy. Their defense has been way subpar for about two and a half seasons now. 
obviously pitching is always going to be a difficulty here in Colorado. That's a given. So I, I guess the question is, what are they trying to be? To me, that is maybe the most frustrating thing about this current team. Um, ever since uh, 19 and Nolan, you know, when Nolan Arenado first started lamenting uh, the rebuild, that very fact, yeah. which the Rockies won't ever admit to being a rebuild. Um, I no, think you can't. You lacked, can't utter the R word around here. You Never. can't, and I think the Rockies have lacked direction, and and you just have to wonder what are what is the blueprint? Okay, they tell us yes, there's good young talent in the outfield coming up, and way down the road maybe there's some good pitching, but I I don't see what they're trying to be. Yeah, that's and it's a, a frustrating thing. Yep. That's a great point, Patrick, because it's almost like. Uh, you know, the, the, you know, a fan base needs that identity from the team, because if you have that, you even if the team is struggling at some point, which at some point every team goes through struggles. But if even yep. if they're struggling to a large degree, right, like the Rockies have, at least they have something mentally or psychologically to look at and say, this is what this team is. This is what we root for. Like the Blake Street Bobbers back in the day, you knew, look, you know, even if the pitching goes south, uh, we're going to get to see a lot of we're going to see a lot of bludgeonings by the Rockies over other teams when they play at Blake Street. And obviously this team doesn't have that at all. And so it's almost like you're making your fans schizophrenic. You know, it's like you're going back and forth, back and forth. What is this? What am I watching? You know, and uh, I think I think that's that's the that's a big frustration with regard, probably a big frustration, I would imagine, with regard to Rockies fans right now. Well, that, that's, that's a great point, Manny, because <clears throat> that the, the fan base is the reason they won't use the R word, right? They're afraid of, of turning off the fan base. And I, I mean, I've come around to think that's the only way that you can turn back on, on the fan base is just say, listen, <laughs> let the young kids play here. Uh, we may be a couple years away, but, but this is the core that we're building. I mean, I know history d- says that the fans will not respond to that because that's why they won't do it. But I don't know. I think the landscape has changed so much. Maybe that's the only thing that will get the fans excited. Yeah, I agree. You know, guys, if you look back historically, um, the lowest attendance in, in Rockies history was 2005. Yep. And that was when they introduced what was called, and that's when I first started Gen R. Yep. This team, Gen R. Yep. Uh, and that was a bunch of young kids, a couple of veterans spiced in there, and attendance was bad. The yep. the novelty of Coors had worn off, you know, and but of course, and then a couple of years later, it blossomed, and, yep. you know, they've, they've had pretty really good attendance ever since. Um, but I think you're right. The problem is if you just sprinkle in a few guys here and there, again, it, you know, and, and Tovar's not playing particularly well early. I think yep. they were hoping that he would be this certainly spark plug or give him something. Yep. And, you know, he looks a little in over his head right now. It's not a disaster, but he's certainly not out of the gate like a yep. Tula or a Trevor Story. And then you have so many guys on this team on one-year deals kind of plugging them in. Yep. And the Mustak is placeholders. Yeah, yep. and and I get that. I mean, to put a team out there that at least has a chance to win once in a while, uh, you need some of that. But this team has too much of that, in my yeah. opinion. Well, I mean, at some point, don't you say, you know what? Let the children play. And you know what? If we're going to lose 10 more games – who cares? Because it's not it's not like we're going to compete and let's accelerate the process here. You don't want to bring guys out there that are so overmatched that they, they just can't. You know, it's going to it's going to mess up their development. That's the issue. You don't want to mess yeah. up their development. But if they can handle being out there and taking their lumps, then why not? You know, what, yeah. when, when do you think that that Patrick, when do you think that that happens with this team? I mean, do they have to be 30 games under 500? What you know, do they have to be? You know, is this by by May or June? Are we looking at a team that says, you know what, let's start shopping our guys that are veterans and let's see if we can just go all in on the uh, the thing that we don't want to talk about, which is a rebuild. You know, that's a great point. Um, I don't know. I, I think that's on Bill Schmidt, the GM. And I don't know. I've tried to I've talked with Billy about this and I've tried to get a sense of where he would go with the Zach Veens or the whoever else they might want to call up. Heck, even Drew Romo is a catcher, or perhaps it's a little early for him. But I don't know if they're willing to do that. Uh, I know that owner Dick Monfort still has a lot of pull, and he's still the one who has the final say-so on major trades. And Dick is, and he said it, he is 
he becomes very attached to long-term players. Uh, and even sometimes when it's what's best for the organization, he'll step in and say, no, I don't want this guy gone. And I don't know if Bill Schmidt, one, has the impetus to to make the moves you guys are talking about or if he has the power to do that. I just don't know. But, it, I mean, it's got to be clear to everybody that you know, Dick Monfort's dream of a 500 team is a yeah, pipe. That's, it's a pipe. You know, it's funny. You mentioned the the um, the way that he longs to hold on to people. That That's the way he ran his meatpacking business. The employers were incredibly loyal. They they stayed with him forever. And that that continuity was is important to him. But also, maybe he's a little tainted. He, I don't know. I can't recall exactly when. I don't think he was. He in charge when O'Dowd took over, or was McMorris still part of it then? I'm not. I can't remember. But McMorris was still part of it. Yeah. O'Dowd's early days, you know, the trade of the day. Remember, he's Trader Dan. He's everything. And if if you're Dick Monfort and you come from an organization that a, a, a business where you valued long term employees and you valued stability. That had to be kind of, whoa, wait a minute, what are we doing here? I mean, guys are coming and playing for one game and then they're getting traded the next day. And um, maybe maybe this is kind of a, a rebound. It's been a long time, but still maybe it's kind of a rebound from that. You know, it might be. But my feeling is, and you guys know this, you know, Dick Monfort's not going to sell the Rockets. No, I mean, no, his never. Kids are, his kids are in, right. in line to take over. Right. So if he, people keep saying he has to sell the team. What's well, not going to no, Never happen. So what I think they need to do, and I've said this for a long time, don't be so insular. Go outside the organization, and I'm talking front office, go outside the organization and find a new blueprint. Find some somebody with dynamics. Find somebody who's willing to shake things up a little bit. But that is not the in the Rockies' yeah, DNA. The irony, the irony of that, Patrick, the irony there is that you know Kelly McGregor passed away um, 13 years ago just yesterday, and that was Kelly's philosophy. Kelly wanted to not to be in. He wanted outside influence. He was talking yes. to Jack McKeon on a daily basis. He was he was trying to get those outside imp- influences, and losing him was a huge loss for the organization in, in that regard. At what well, at I, what point? I, I agree. At, at what point does um at, at what point? How bad does it have to get? I don't think yeah. that that we even need to really elaborate on that question, other than uh, before going straight to trying to figure out the answer. How long? How bad does it need to get before? there is meaningful change in the way things are done. Obviously we know there's not going to be change in terms of, I mean, we're, you know, there's not going to be change in the front office or anything like that, but in the way things get done, because it seems like there's this tension that is unspoken and I'm, you know, I'm, they, I'm sure they love each other, but, but at the same time, there's this unspoken tension professionally of Dick Monfort wanting to keep his thumb on the scale, but also Bill Schmidt seems to be much more, in line maybe with your prototypical yeah. uh, way of doing things than <clears throat> Jeff Breidich was. So how, at what point does 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 maybe his uh, rationalism went out? How bad does it have to be? I think it's got to be pretty bad. I really do. I mean, it's going to be pretty bad in the stands, right? Yeah, and I think we're seeing that. I mean, who knows? It's very early. It's, that's a tough thing. And with the new schedule and the Yankees coming in and yep. – Teams that you normally don't see that. Let's face it, we just had the Nationals and the Pirates in here. So right, right. it's not like right. they had big But they still bases. only drew low 20s, like 20,000 some for the third game of the Cardinal Series. But, um, you know, I, I have said multiple times, I think this is going to be the first time they dip below an average of tens of 30,000 a game since hmm. 07. Uh, I, I just wow. feel that because of the input I get <clears throat> from fans and, and the people, so many people who've told me they're just, they've checked out. Yep. Uh, so yeah. I do think the box office is going to be something there. Um, you know, the, I don't know, is a hundred loss that is that a benchmark that changes things? Rockies have never done it, never lost a hundred. We'll see. I, but I think, Manny, I think you're right. I think uh, the box office, the attendance, uh, the disillusionment and, and truth, truthfully, the apathy of the fan base may eventually get to Dick Bonford and company. You know, and, and I think Bill Schmidt is is a fine baseball man. I do. I'm not saying he's a, he's a genius or anything with player development or certainly scouting when he was the director of uh, you know the, of all of that. But he's been part of this for so long, right? Can can he see a different way? I mean, it's been on Bill Schmidt's watch that. Trevor Story and John Gray walked, mm-hmm. and they didn't get anything out of it, right? And so, our, I mean, if if Charlie Blackman's playing well enough uh, to warrant at least some sort of trade, 
and Charlie would agree to it. I know he has some sort of no trade clause. I think it's with half the teams in the league. Would they do it? You know, I would if Charlie's playing well and somebody yeah. needs a left-handed bat off the bench or a part-time DH. Even if it's for some prospects, go for it. Give Charlie a chance to be a winner. Yep. Uh, but I don't know. It's it's a head scratcher, and I well, think it's well, why this front this team is one of the more frustrating teams. And I and guys, you know it too. It's not just us saying it. Right. People I talk to around the league say this all the time. Yep. Well, that's the thing is that the Rockies have been that you know, and I talk to you know visiting beat writers when I'm on the other side. And and they're always like a lot of them are like it's happened this you know with in with the Pittsburgh series, they're like we're confused by the Rockies. Uh, what's happening here? You're like we're like join the club. You know it's like it's like we're you know it's 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 not much more clear from our perspective. And I felt like I don't know if you guys felt this way, but I felt that this last homestand might have been a turning point. There's a lot of season to be played, but that was embarrassing baseball i mean that was really bad i mean it was i heard more booze i think than i than i had ever heard i've been here seven years that, that i've that i've heard uh at course field and this is a very this is an amazing fan base and they're very loyal you know which is right up dick monfort's alley but they're all, also there has to there must be a, a point that comes at which this is just they, they can't do it anymore like you said patrick there, there's this apathy setting in where it's like we are just we we can't we can't watch this anymore well we we are clearly at a point where <clears throat> attendance is going to be based on the opponent right they're going to come see the opponent they're not coming to see the rockies that's a sad point <clears throat> the problem is from a business perspective the rockies are best business model in baseball in some feel i mean they you can put a poor product on a field and still make you know have good attendance and make money so the impetus to change has to come from that. It has to be the fans that say, okay, we're done. We're going to fill the place up to see the Yankees, but that's, that's that. We're not coming to see the Nationals and the Pirates and, and, and some of the other teams. We're tired of seeing the Diamondbacks come in here and, and take, take you apart and all that kind of stuff. So, so I, I'm with you guys. I, here's my hope. And, Patrick, you mentioned trading Charlie for prospects. I, don't think, pro, I think prospects is all they can get and all they need to get from, for anybody. We've had, and we asked this question in the offseason, and we came up with a couple names, one of which was Brendan Rodgers, which doesn't matter anymore. Who's untouchable on this roster? Who is untradeable? I mean, obviously, not talking about Dick from Dick Monfort's perspective, because they all are from Dick Monfort's perspective. But from Bill Schmidt or anybody else's perspective, if Dick finally said, okay, blow it up, who, who would they not trade? That's a great question. Um, I can't think of what, anybody. Not, Marcus. Now, on the, cur- Mar- on the Marcus, current roster, on the current yeah. roster right? Not, not, not guys in the farm system, but guys right. in the current right. roster. What, Right. What about Marcus? He's he's. I, would trade I think him. he's in his final season. But he's got an option. There's an option. Option, uh, right? option for next year. Yeah, I would. I would trade Herman. I mean, me too. Yeah, if you you know you have to get value. Yeah, you have to get some pitchers. Three pitchers for one. You do it. No, I, I, would, I honestly I think, think I honestly think someone would jump at a lot of clubs would jump at the the chance to have Herman Marcus on on, on their on their, would, their staff. If there's maybe the one guy on this team right now. That might be the I if I was the GM, I might say, you know what, if you don't blow me away, I mean really blow me away, I'm gonna not trade him. Might be Freeland. Yep. And I say that for a couple of reasons. One, he's not afraid to pitch at altitude. Right. You know, is he ever gonna be an ace? No, probably not. Is he ever gonna repeat 2018? Probably not. But he really is a glue for this team. And he's still, I think. I think you hold on to Freeland. You got to keep somebody in the rotation. But no, I would, you know, I would have traded Brendan. And I know that there were some pretty intense negotiations with Marlins included in that, um, which never happened. But I would have traded Brendan for the right deal for pitching. Yeah. You know, I I like Ryan McMahon, but he hasn't blossomed yet. And I, I keep wondering when is he going to be the guy we all think he has a chance to be. I would the clock is ticking on on McMahon, man. Um, it is. It is every I, year. It's a show me year, and and every year it's like, well, how much longer are we going to play yeah. this? You know, wait for this guy. Yeah, he's, he he teases us, you know. And I think Manny, you and I being around the club all the time, you know, I I'm not af- afraid to say it. he's one of my favorite people on this team. He's great. I mean, he's an he's awesome engaging. personality. He's engaging. He he's stand up. He's there for us when we need him. From a media perspective, all of that, uh, but it doesn't mean he's untradeable. 
Um, I guess the one question we, two questions for me, for you guys. One, do you think Dick Monfort would ever get rid of Schmidt this year? And two, do you think the Rockies would ever fire Bud Black this year? Number one, no, I don't think so. Uh, number two, and, and I'm only basing that off of how long he held on with with uh, with Jeff. I mean, I, I just feel like I think it goes back to Mark's point of the, the whole loyalty thing. And, and just, you know, if the performance that happened under Jeff would not move Dick to make a change earlier than he did, he was basically forced to. I think his hands, his hand was forced. I don't think that's going to happen. Bud Black, here's the thing with Buddy. I think that he has done an admirable job over I this agree. last um what, uh, uh, six years, just given what he's had to work with, I think he's done a good job. And I know there are people who are going to call, you know, to the Twitter, the Twitter folks and everything. You know, they're going to say, oh, they should fire by black. He's not doing this. Not that. Look, they don't give enough uh, weight to what the front office wants versus what the manager wants sometimes. And they also yeah. don't give enough weight to just how difficult it is, I think, to manage here, period. And then with the kind of roster he's had to work with. So I think, I don't think he should be fired, but you know what? I can't put it out of the realm of possibility. Well, listen, if it, we talk about this all the time with coaches who are on the hot seat. You better you better be certain, 100% certain you're going to get somebody better to take that job. Yeah. You better even have somebody in mind that you're going to get come in. I would imagine yeah. they would just go in-house. Interim, exactly. Right? I mean, so, at this point. There's no, of course, they're going to go in-house. And there's certainly absolutely nobody better for this job than Bud Black, in my opinion. I mean, I think you need a former pitcher. I'm biased, but I think you need a former pitcher to deal with the pitching situation here. He proved that, but he proved that yes, in, in 17 and 18. I mean, what he, he sure did, did with that young rotation to yep. get them all in line and, and and mentally at that place where, I mean, Patrick, you remember that, this, and you too, Mark, when you were at 17, when we were talking to Buddy about the young pitching and we were like, what, you know, how do you keep these guys on the straight and narrow. I know Kyle's been pitching in altitude for his whole life and everything else, but you know, with the, with everybody, you know, you've got, you've got guys who are pitching really well in the starting rotation, uh, especially in the top three. How do you do it? And he kept, he would just, the mantra was always um, make bad pitches here or at sea level, they get hit. And, and he simplified it to the point of it, it, mild absurdity because you, you do make, you, you can't get away. The margin of error here is a lot, thinner than it is at, at sea level uh, for pitchers, but it worked like it mm -hmm. got in their heads and they, they started making it happen. Buddy proved that you can make it work if you have the right approach. And he's that kind of a manager. And if you give him better pieces to work with, I think, you know, you could, I mean, look, he took that, he took those teams to the postseason back to, he's the only manager to take back-to-back -back teams to the postseason in the Rockies history. And they overachieved, especially in that second year, I think. So that's, that's to his credit. And you know, the other thing there, you talk about the roster, those teams, those playoff teams had great defense. Patrick, you alluded to it earlier. They've been subpar on defense for two plus years now. Um, you have to be exemplary on defense in this ballpark, and they haven't been. So, listen, the only guy I can think of that would be a good fit here, and he, I know he told me this, he wouldn't come here unless Buddy left voluntarily, is Joe Madden. Um, Joe has roots in this area. He loves Boulder. He loves the, this area. Joe would would take this job. He told me he would take this job if Bud walked away. If Buddy walked away on his own, he, but he, I don't think he's coming here if Bud gets fired. So, and I, who knows what what Joe's name is around baseball now? He's been blackballed by the analytics folks, but nonetheless, you have to have somebody. <laughs> I, like don't, that. I don't think that's a problem in this town. Yeah, you're yeah. probably right. You're probably right. I mean, he would be the only guy I could think of that would be at least as good a replacement. For Bud Black. Otherwise, you go in-house, there's just nobody here capable of handling this job, in my opinion. Well, you know, the, the interesting thing, and I tell this to people all the time uh, who who say to me, you know, they got to fire Buddy Black. And and the, the word, of, oh, it's Teflon Buddy, right? Because they think the media is soft on him and things slide off. <clears throat> and what they don't understand, and I try to explain this to them, is they see Bud Black putting a, I don't know if happy face is the right word, but Yep. Trying to stay even keel, positive. Yep. In his press conferences before the games, when he's very affable and fun, yep. and and they see him in after the games, and yeah, you see irritation now and then, and he gets a little short now and then, but he's mostly in control. But Manny, man, you know this. You kick Buddy aside, you get him off the record. I mean, he knows every weakness of this team. He's frustrated. He. It's not like he's blind to you, the ills of, of, of this roster. He knows. He's competitive. It pisses him off. 
But yeah, he, it's his philosophy. He he's never going to throw a player under the bus, right? And guys, uh, from a player's perspective, that's you really great. You only, I mean, that's you not only appreciate that, but you also appreciate the even keel approach to wins and losses. You just don't get too well, high, don't well, get too low. When you go, players love that. These are the times that test that, right? Yep. With with Buddy, I mean, this uh, with anybody, and um, it's been really interesting to watch Buddy um, continue with that even keel approach and you know what from a perspective of a manager to his players what I mean, you got to do that right if you're if you're look i mean not everybody's done that right i wonder what hal mccray or someone else would do like in this situation <laughs> right now like if yeah. like you know i mean hal mccray was assaulting reporters right don't <laughs> over, not, yeah, over tables but yeah but but look bud black i think has a great temperament for for what's happening here that's that's both Sad to say, and also uh, positive, you know, that it's got to be like that. But he has a good temperament for here. You don't want to throw your players under the bus when, especially in a dynamic like here in Colorado, where it's like, it's normal, it's hard to win. And just think about it. That would really demoralize a group, I think, if they're if their manager in this town, you know, because knowing what they have to deal with going on the road and then not winning because of factors beyond their control with, break and uh, breaking balls and things like that. And then coming back here and then, you know, having, you know, fewer people in the stands, having people boo because of this type of play, you know, Bud Black, I think is doing exactly what he's supposed to do, but yes, I, I he does. He's not, he's not blind. That's a, that's a, that's a good way to put it. I think Patrick, he's not blind to what's going on. Um, and I, I'm sure it frustrates him, especially as a competitor, right? He's won a world series of player. He's been around this game a long time. Um, he's won a World Series as a pitching coach, right? The, the, the Angels. So this has got to be frustrating for him. But I don't think there's anybody better at te- in terms of temperament than him to continue on here. And you just wonder how long he, he will. Well, and it's, kind of, it, and it's kind of a shame of that. I wish you think about it. For most of his tenure in San Diego, he had a subpar roster and a fan base that didn't care at all. And there was no investment in the product. Yep. Uh, you know, and outside of early in his career in San Diego, you know, he basically just was sub 500 or around 500 and comes to Colorado, gets another chance, gets in the playoffs two consecutive years. The front office and Dick Monford fails to invest in that product after 18 when they should have. Uh, and then, of course, that leads to Nolan leaving. And now he's 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 kind of stuck with this. I just always thought, Given Buddy's personality, his his abilities, his knowledge of the game, I always wish he had gotten a chance to go somewhere where and, and manage a powerhouse. Yeah, yeah that's a great point. That. And <clears throat> I and I think I think he could have led a team. I don't know if he would have won a World Series, but I think he could have led a team to two, three, four years of, of great success. But you know what? But he doesn't whine about it. He doesn't nope. complain about it. Uh, I want to throw one more thing out. I know I know we're running out of time here, but uh, regarding our roles as reporters, um, I learned a lesson a long time ago because I have people who say all the time, you guys need to be tougher on Bud Black. You yeah. need to ask him tough questions. And I go back to my early years when I was covering the Broncos, and, I, and Mike Shanahan was the coach. Broncos went, I think it was the year 99 or 2000. I forgot the year, but it was after the Super Bowl, Super Bowls with Elway. They went into Cincinnati, and – Corey Dillon uh, ran for like 278 yards. Yep. It was the all-time rushing record at the time. Yep. And Mike Shanahan was being coach speak right after the game. You could tell he was upset and mad. And and I let my you know fandom get in the way of being a reporter. And I remember asking Shanahan after the game, I mean, Mike, they just ran for NFL record, aren't you? Aren't you embarrassed by this? And all oh, that, that pissed him off. And it got a great soundbite, and I think he said, of course we're embarrassed, this is unacceptable, and it got them all heated, and all the TV stations ran the the, uh, the clip. And the next week, I got called into the principal's office from Shanahan, which is <laughs> kind of a badge of honor, to truthfully. And he just, truthfully, he F-bombed me up and down, and how could you ask that question? And And at first, I was really... I was mad at him for taking such offense. And as I've gotten older and done this job before, I realized I was letting being a fan at the time, because I grew up here, get in my way. And I realized it was grandstanding. And so for when fans say, you guys aren't tough enough on Buddy, and 
I always keep that in the back of my mind. Yeah, I try to ask questions that gather information and try to get to the bottom of stuff. But to try to agitate the manager or somebody is just <clears throat> pointless. It is. And it's not what my role is. That it's, is a tremendous point. I, I was just talking to um, a class at IU, my alma mater, um, about you know journalism and all that stuff. And that point came up, which was in this era of uh, screaming at, at people back, in, you know, from one side to the other, um, we're losing that. And I'm so really glad that you brought that up because that's the role of a reporter. You know, my my mentor there was Malcolm Moran. He said, "You check your fandom at the door. Every right, every sports you. every sports uh, <laughs> reporter is a fan at uh, at some level of some team of, you know, otherwise you wouldn't be in this." And right. so. Um, you check it at the door. That's a great point. And, and actually, we can segue on something I wanted to touch on also here in terms of, boy, I wish I could see what this person could do on a contender. Justin Lawrence, um, he, he's he been amazing. Uh, his yeah. sweeper, slur, whatever you want to call it, um, is gay. I think it's supposed to call, I'm supposed to call it a slutter. That's the new term. Is raising eyebrows around baseball um, because it is filthy can you can you what what have you seen that has led to his mature i know he's taken something off you know in terms of velocity uh what have you seen that has kind of flipped the switch for him because man if you get the lead to, into his hands you've got a good chance that's a great question well i think like you said he he, he was so intent on velo before because he's got you know that devastating delivery from the sidearm and the, and the I mean, angles. he throws a hundred yeah. from the from a sidearm. It's it's amazing. yeah, especially against right-handers, right? And and the way that ball moves, they don't expect it to move contrary to physics. I mean, seriously, the way that I mean, it's just like how can that pitch move that way back into right-handers? So I think that's one. You're exactly right. Taking some off, I think he's just confidence is there. He's grown up, and I think it's essentially pitch command. I mean, he, he gets the ball in the zone, but he preaches it all the time. And I remember when Lawrence came up and Bud Black way back, and I've forgotten exactly how many years he's been in the organization, but down in spring training, and I was kind of mesmerized by this guy. And Bud Black saying, uh, and I think it was an off-the-record conversation, he was saying, if this guy ever harnesses it, watch out. He's going to be really, really good. But the caveat being, I don't know if he can harness this. It's a funky delivery you know, he walks way too many people. He can't seem to control it, but he is now. And and again, guys, now we're talking about, I mean, would they trade him? Yeah. Right. I mean, we Tough I question. Thinking about Tough. that, but uh, is he, is he a guy you want to hold on to? Yeah, I don't know, but from, man, a fan, I, from, from a fan perspective, I would love to see him on a contender and see what he could do in October, man. You know what he's I mean, like I mean, to me, he's, he's a better right now. He's a better version of Adam Adovino. Yeah. He, yeah. That's, yeah, the, that's, that's a the good comp. comp. No question. That's the comp. Well, I don't think we'll have to worry about that. <clears throat> I don't think they're going to trade anybody. But unfortunately, uh, we'll find that out as, as we progress. Uh, trading season, Manny, you think be, begins in June? We'll see if uh, – or, you know, if someone gets hurt. It depends the first on the buyer side of, of the market, that you know. But still, yeah, I mean, at that point, I think the Rockies are going to be so far out of it that, I mean, what – you know, this stretch that they – what they did last night when five no, they blanked the Phillies 5 nothing. Um that's so Rockies. Like you, you, you go and get swept <laughs> by the pirates. That's true. And you, and you, and you lose eight in a row, including five at home. You come, you go on the road where you're historically bad to the nationally bad division champs. And you the, blank the defending, defending champs. champs, the nationally champs. Yeah. It's just what it is. But the rest of this, is, it's a gauntlet, man. It's going to be tough. The next, uh, maybe three weeks, I can see them coming out of that 10 and 25, 11 and 24. So it's going to get to the point around, I think mid May where it's like, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to have to start thinking about that. Hey, but I tell you Patrick, what, though, speaking of last night, real quick, Feltner was was really good. He was oh, yeah. really good. Absolutely, and can't, you know what? can't miss that. And, yeah. and we've seen and we've seen we've seen flashes of that. I mean, everybody that I've talked to says this guy has legit stuff. If he can harness it, he can he can be something. And we've seen flashes, and then we've seen it fall apart in one inning or in a couple hitters. And but he he held it together last night and. Good for him. That was a that was a huge step for Ryan Feltner. If not for the and team, the Rockies, boy, did they need him. to see that? Yeah. The back of their rotation, boy, did they need to see that last night? Patrick, so. we got to run, but enjoy Cleveland. I know okay, that's, that's not easy to do, but do it anyway. Enjoy Cleveland. We'll see you back okay. at Coors Field. Uh, thanks for joining us again. As always, great stuff. Thanks, Patrick. Andy, you got you got a closer? Yep. 
All right, man, I'll be back to close out this, this edition of the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. Stay with us. You don't want to miss that. The place to catch all the big game action is at Stoney's Bar and Grill, now with four great locations, including Winter Park and the original at 11th and Lincoln. Great food, great service, and unrivaled game day atmosphere. There's no better place to watch your favorite teams in action. To find out more, check out stoneysbarandgrill.com. Will this actually end up being the first 100-loss season in Colorado Rockies history? After a 6-15 and start, it seems not only possible, but probable. Add to that the fact that the club has only two reliable starters in Herman Marquez and Kyle Freeland, followed by three question marks in the rotation, as well as a porous defense that has cost them several games already, and it almost seems a certainty. To date, the worst record a Rockies team has ever had in a single season came in 2012. That squad lost 98 games. The starting lineup that year featured Willen Rosario behind the plate, a 38-year-old Todd Helton at first base, Marco Scudero at second, until of course he was traded to the Giants and went on to become a postseason hero for San Francisco, Troy Tulowitzki at short, though he was hurt for most of that season, Chris Nelson at third, Carlos Gonzalez in left field, Dexter Fowler in center, and Michael Kadire in right. Are we going to assume the 2023 iteration of the Rockies lineup is better than that one? What about the pitching staff? The Rockies' bullpen this year has shown some flashes of success, most notably Justin Lawrence, who has been nearly unhittable this season and could be in the midst of a breakout campaign that truly puts his name on the baseball map. But the starting rotation has been, well, not good. The 2012 rotation consisted of Jeff Francis, Alex White, Drew Pomeranz, Jeremy Guthrie, Christian Friedrich, and Jalis Chassin. Pomeranz and Chassin were the only two with ERAs below five. The bullpen that year was pretty good. Josh Renicki, Matt Belisle, Rex Brothers, and closer Rafael Betancourt combined to pitch well. So, there you have it. Is the 2023 club better than the 2012 club? The closer will leave that to you to decide. But if you need a hint, it would be pretty hard to answer in the affirmative. But speaking of that 2012 group, what's Chasin up to these days? Manny shuts the door on this episode of the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. Difficult times for the guys in purple pinstripes these days, but perhaps we'll get more clarity in the coming weeks. Our thanks to Patrick Saunders of the Denver Post for joining us. And as always, thanks to you for listening. We'll catch you later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.